Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. extra or work a little harder, play a little harder, or sing with a little bit more confidence if it's for our Father. Why can't we worship a little harder? And that's just my whole message. You know, we would do all these things for our parents, and he is our parent, and uh, we should think about that. We should go a little harder for him, because being a Christian is not a burden. It's a privilege, and we should look at it that way instead of a burden should be honored to be a Christian. just want to say I love you guys, and I hope y'all enjoy worship. Let's stand to our feet this morning, and just turn to your neighbor and say, Merry Christmas. I love Christmas. It's the one, it's the one time of the year where we get to invoke the name of Christ wherever we go. It's a great time of the year. It's awesome. Let's just, uh, let's just thank, thank the Lord for all that he's done. Thank him for this year. Lord, we thank you, Father, for this year. Lord, we just want to end it with a celebration of the gift of God, Jesus Christ. Lord, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, what a wonderful gift you've given us. We just bless you and thank you. Thank you. Come on, just lift up your voices this morning. Just say thank you. Yeah, put your hands together. Let's just welcome the presence of the Lord.
to your neighbors this morning. I encourage you, if you're comfortable with this, just give somebody a hug and just say Merry Christmas.
Good morning. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> I'm getting practiced up. I'm going to Mexico in a few weeks, so. Praise God. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Well, I'm excited about a lot of things that are going on here this morning. I'm going to find a place for this. Uh, don't have enough room on the, on the table. I'm afraid I'll knock it off on the floor. There we go. That we're good. That we're good. How many are ready for Christmas? You better be because it's here, right? And we, we, we put a lot of time and preparation into this, this moment. And sometimes it's almost anticlimactic. I don't think we ought to make it that way. I think we ought to just use it as a, as a catapult into the next year. You know, realizing that the reason Jesus came was to give us life. Everybody say life. I got it. You got it? You got life this morning? The Bible says that he that has the Son has life, right? If you don't have the Son, it also says that he that has not the Son has not life. That's a bad thing. But if you got Jesus, you got the Son. That's really what it's all about. And, and I just wanted to share this morning um, just a very short moment with you and kind of refresh your memory a little bit of what Christmas is really all about. I know back in July, Becky and I were in a store, and I noticed that they were already putting Christmas stuff out, you know, dis displays for Christmas, a and they were already advertising on television Christmas in July. You know, we haven't even got, the firecrackers haven't even quit, and they're already advertising. Why? Because to the world mindset, you know, it's just another holiday, you know, and, and the world has tried to take Jesus out of Christmas and just have us say happy holiday. It, it, we might as well just say happy vacation. Because really, if you take Jesus out of it, that's all it is. There's nothing more, nothing less than just a, another day, and that's what the world would want you to think. And, and we try to gloss it over with all the kind of other kind of things that we do at Christmas time. We've even taken old Saint Nick and changed his character altogether. Because Nick wasn't a bad guy. He didn't live at the North Pole, according to the myth about Nicholas or St. Nick. He actually was a kind old gentleman who at Christmas time would go around giving gifts to children who, were, who, couldn't, who, who didn't have anything. He was a very benevolent fellow. And this, this legend grew out of him. And so then they begin to change the narrative about St. Nick. Next thing you know, he's not this old German guy over in Germany giving out gifts to children who were less fortunate and couldn't afford it. He becomes this guy that lives at the North Pole with a bunch of elves <laughs> riding around in the sleigh with reindeer coming down chimneys and delivering gifts. I never understood how he could get a Maserati down the chimney. And we, we think about all these things about Christmas, and we totally miss the point. But that's what I want to do this morning, is to bring you back to the reality of Christmas. I want to read the Christmas story in two versions of the Bible. One, basically for you adults who, you know, you can understand a little bit more of the language of the Bible. And then I want to read it from the Message Bible, which it brings it down a little bit more and kind of uh, mellows it out a little bit and changes the language a little more for the children so you can really grasp what's going on here. But I want to read it out of the, the New American Standard Bible first. And of course, it's out of Luke chapter 2. I mean, where else are you going to read the Christmas story, right? And um, it says, Now it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census should be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all who were proceeding to register for the census Every, and all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And it came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. 
For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he was pleased. And it came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds began saying to one another, Hey, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they, had made, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary pondered these things in her heart. And the shepherds went back glorifying, praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as been told to them. That is the New American Standard Version. Now, I'm going to read it from uh, Peterson's version called the, Live, the uh, uh, Message Bible. And, and just listen to this. About that time, Caesar Augustus ordered a census to be taken throughout the empire. This was the first census when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone had to travel to his own ancestral hometown to be accounted for. So Joseph went from the Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judah, David's town, for the census. As a descendant of David, he had to go there. He went with Mary, his fiancée, who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to a, to her, to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the hostel. There were sheep herders camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly, God's angels stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angels said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A Savior has just been born in David's town. A Savior who was Messiah and Master. This is what you're to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a manger. At once the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing praises to God. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. As the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the sheep herders talked it over. Let's go over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. They left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing. They told everyone they met what the angel had said about this child, and all who heard the sheep herders were impressed. Mary kept all these things to herself, holding them dear, deep within herself. The sheep herders returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. It turned out exactly the way they had been told. Wow. There's some things that stand out in that story to me, and I was just thinking about them. If you go back and you read in Matthew, it kind of lays it all out. You see, there are 14 generations dispersed between Genesis, where Adam is born of God and created, all the way to Abraham. And then there's another 14 generations from Abraham to David. And then there's another 14 generations from David to Jesus. And it kind of stood out to me that that Jesus was a direct descendant of two people in the Bible who you would know very well. One of them is Ruth, who happened to be David's great-great-grandmother. And she was married to a man by the name of Boaz, who was the son of someone else very famous in the Bible that you may know. Her name was Rahab, or Rahab as we call her, the harlot in Genesis or, or in, uh, in numbers. So we, we see this, this collaboration of, of God, this, this thing of, of the genealogy of David all the way down to Joseph. Joseph was a direct descendant of the house of David. That's why when Jesus was called several things, he was called several things, son of man, son of David, son of God. He was Messiah, Messiah being the anointed one. Now, we all have an anointing. We understand that. And as sons of God, you and I also have an anointing. 
right? We have an unction of the Holy One, it says in 1 John chapter 2. So we all have that anointing that it's Christ in us, Messiah living inside of us, that spirit of Christ living within us. Now we have that because of one thing. God sent a son. God sent his son, born of a woman, yet son of God, not born of man, okay? As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 3, when, and when you go back there and you see when, when Eve and Adam and Eve sinned and the serpent himself was confronted by God because of his temptation of Eve and Adam, you know, when they partake of the forbidden fruit and the curse that God put upon him. And he said to the serpent, there's one coming, the seed of the woman. The seed of the woman. It didn't say seed of the man. The seed of woman. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What that meant was, I don't know if you've ever tried to kill a snake or not. Anybody ever tried to kill a snake? There's only one way to do it. Jordan said, call somebody with a shotgun. A lot of different ways we can do it. But in order to kill the snake, you have to separate it from its body. You have to destroy the head. And what was Satan? He appeared as a what? A serpent. So the only way to kill that snake was to bruise his head. And that's exactly what Jesus did. But Satan, thinking that he was killing Messiah, was only bruising his heel. See, you cannot destroy the promise of God. You cannot destroy the life of God. Because the life of God that we have is eternal. And Jesus came as the eternal, ever-existent, ever-present, almighty one from God himself. And, and he was revealed to us in the word. And we see that when he was born, he was born exactly as, he was, as it was proclaimed that he was going to be because it was prophesied that he would be born in one specific place. Anybody know what place that was? In the city of David, which is Bethlehem. Now, the name Bethlehem may sound insignificant, insignificant to you, and, and really, for all intents and purposes, it wasn't this gigantic city. It was just a little small town, but it was David's hometown. But when you go back and you study the meaning of the word Bethlehem, Bethlehem, it means house of bread. And Jesus said himself in John chapter 6, he said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. So God sent his son who is the bread of life. And what does bread give us? It gives us life. It gives us sustenance. So we have this life in the son. We have this life in Jesus. And this baby that was born in a manger that we say, Merry Christmas. You know, it's, it's, it's like this day of the year that we set aside to honor the Christ child. Now, was he born on December the 25th? I don't know. Nobody really knows except, you know, in church history, it was set aside a day and it was as close as they could get historically and theologically to honor the Christ child, to set aside this one day of, Christian, uh, of, of, of Christmas in Christendom. And it's the day that we celebrate. And to, to try to destroy that day and to take away Christ is another attempt to take Christ out of the equation. I don't know if you've noticed anything or not, but in our culture today, you can go just about anywhere and you can use any name. You can evoke any name you want to. You can say, Happy Hanukkah. Nobody gets upset. You can say, uh, Glorious Ramadan. Nobody gets excited. You can say whatever you want to. But if you mention the name of Christ, somehow or another, People that don't know him, people that are still in the darkness, they get a little upset because there's something about that name that darkness cannot stand. But those who are in the light, those who love the truth, you understand it completely. We were singing these songs, you know, just the joy in my heart, Christmas. I, I, I get it. You know, John, John Frick's little mother, I wish she could be here today, Maybell, Maybell Athey. Wonderful, sweet little lady. She loves God with all of her heart. But you know what she really loves? Christmas. Becky and I went to visit her one time, and I think it was about August, and she already had her Christmas tree up. And I said, Do you, did you forget to take your tree down? She says, no, I just put it up. She said, I love Christmas. I get it. 
She loves Christmas not because of the ornaments, not because of the tree, but because of the Christ of Christmas. You know, so that attitude, that spirit should be with us throughout the year, Christmas. Because at Christmas time, all of a sudden, everybody's wanting to be giving. We become more benevolent. We become more kind, you know. I mean, it's just something about Christmas, right? And, and, and I love it. You know, you go in department stores. I mean, for several years now, as, as you all know, uh, folks in the department stores have been told you cannot use the word Christmas. You can say happy holidays. And, you know, most of the time people say happy holidays. <laughs> but I just love it. Now I can look at the clerk and say, Merry Christmas. You know what they say? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We get it. It's a time to celebrate the birth of our Lord. It's a time to celebrate the gift that God gave us, the greatest gift ever given, the matchless gift of a son, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Bethlehem. It was, a, it was something about Bethlehem that espouses righteousness. It was a city of David, the house of bread, the house of the birth of the Savior. But there's something else about it. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. There's something about that. That when I partake of Jesus, when I accept him as my Lord and my Savior, and I enter into a covenant relationship with him, I begin to have holy communion with him. I commune with him on a daily basis. I can go anywhere at any time. And anytime I'm in trouble, all I have to do is say the name, Jesus. Because at the mention of his name, devils tremble, mountains move, the earth shakes, doors open, at the name of Jesus, because there's power in that name. He's the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we have that constant communion with Him. But when we come together as a body of believers, we have something that is even more powerful. Because Jesus said in Matthew 18 and 18, He says, I give to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Did He not? Which is this. Anything you bind on earth is bound in heaven also, and anything you loose on earth is loosened in heaven also. And I give you this also, that if you ask the Father anything in my name, I will give it. And he also said, for where two or more, if, you, if two of, of you agree on earth as asking anything you ask of the Father in my name, I will give it. For where, where two or more are gathered together in my name, guess what? He's communing with us. There I am also with you. So I look around this morning, I see more than two of us here. So that says that the power of God is exponential when his people come together. When we invoke the name of Jesus together and we stand together in prayer and we pray and, and, and we begin to see things shift, we begin to see things move as we come together, we intercede in that name and we stand together in that name and we commune in that name. And, and we have elements that kind of symbolize, just like we have, have ele elements here. And, and somebody's calling me, yes, Lord. That's my sister. I'll have to get her later. I'm sorry, babe. I don't know why she didn't know we were having service this morning. Usually they won't even ring in here, but, you know, sometimes the message gets through. But we have these elements, just like that tree. You know, last week we talked about Jesus being the light of the world. And we put lights on the tree because that, that tree being green represents new life. And the lights represent the light of the world. Of course, the star at the top represents who? Who's the star? Who's the bright and shining star? Jesus. But it also represents the star of Bethlehem that led the wise men to Jesus. That led them to him and they brought gifts and they presented them to him. So we have all this symbolism and everything, but there's one symbolism that Jesus told us to use regularly. Now, we, nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to put up trees and lights and everything. It's something that we do to honor him, and that's great. That's awesome. That's good because it, it symbolizes something. 
But Jesus told us to use these things to symbolize our communion with him and with one another. And the word communion, if we look in the word and we see that word communion or to commune with, it is the word koinonia, which means fellowship. And we have fellowship with him. And we have fellowship with one another. And that's what communion is really all about. And, and Paul even talked to the, to the believers at Corinth, and when, it, when they would have communion, they were getting it all wrong because when they would come to, together and have communion, they would do it not in faith, but just as a religious observance. They would have communion, but they would, they would come together, and, and, and you would have the rich folks that would bring, up, bring steak, and then you would have you know, the, the middle-class folks over there eating hamburgers, and then you got the other folks that had nothing, and nobody would share with them. And, 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 of course, everybody was sitting around eating and drinking, some getting drunk and everything else. And, and Paul set them straight on this. He says, this is not right. If you want to do that stuff, do it at home. But when you come together, let's have real fellowship. Let's have real koinonia. And then he goes on to say in verse 23 or verse 22, he says, For I have received of the Lord Jesus that which I also deliver unto you, that the, that the Lord in the same night in which he was betrayed, he took... He took bread and he broke it. He gave thanks and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take it and eat it. And as often as you eat it, do what? Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. And and that's a double whammy on a day like today because we don't want to forget Jesus at Christmas. But we won't, don't want to forget Jesus the day after Christmas either. We don't want to forget Jesus the 4th of July. We don't want to forget Jesus on Valentine's Day. We don't want to forget Jesus. We want to constantly remember him. And as often as you eat it, do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup also. And when he had given thanks, he took the cup and he said, This is the covenant of my blood which is poured out for you. Take it, drink it. And as often as you drink it, what did he say? Do do it in remembrance of me. So we're having communion this morning. And the reason we're doing it is because we want to remember him. Not because it's the last Sunday of the month or the first Sunday of the month or a certain date or whatever. Or something that we do religiously. We want to do it relationally. We want to do it relationally. He's going to talk about the bread. And he said, some of you... You partake of the bread unworthily. What is he saying? Because when we partake of the bread and the wine unworthily, what we're doing is we're not doing it in faith. We're not understanding, not discerning the body of the Lord, not understanding what this body was all about, not understanding the stripes that Jesus bore, not understanding the punishment that he took, not understanding what the prophet said about him in Isaiah 53, 5. It says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is upon him, and by his stripes you are healed. That's what this is about. That's what it's about. And the blood of the covenant, the stripes that he bore, the blood he shed was for you. It's for your salvation and your deliverance, for your forgiveness and your cleansing. Because he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So gentlemen, would you come and let's take the communion elements and let's disperse them among the congregation and just hold on to it until everybody's received. And in the meantime, I want us to just commune with the Lord and Jeremy can lead us in a song or we can just worship the Lord however you want to while we're waiting. But we're just going to commune with him. Thank you, Lord. I think one of my favorite courses is, oh, come, let us adore him. Come, all you faithful. Come, all you faithful. Come, behold him. Let's bow down before him and adore him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead.
He alone is worthy. There's no other God before him. No other king. You know, Herod heard about Jesus because there was some wise men that showed up looking for him. And Herod says, when you find him, let me know so that I can worship him also. But Herod was a fraud. He wanted to try to destroy the promise that God had given because Herod was a king. And he thought there could be no other king. There's not enough room for another king. So let's try to exterminate him. So he sends out a decree to destroy or to kill all of the, all of the male-born sons that were three years of age and younger, thinking I can eliminate him. And that's what Satan tries to do. He tries to eliminate Christ, tries to destroy him, tries to wipe out the name, but he can't. He can't do it. He's tried down through history. He tried it in the garden. He failed. Even in Mount Moriah, he would have loved for Abraham to have given up on the promise and not been obedient to God when he told him to take Isaac and offer him up on Mount Moriah. Thank God that Abraham was obedient. Thank God that he provided a lamb. He tried to destroy David because David was a son of promise. Jesus was a son of the promise of David. Satan has tried to exterminate. He sent, you know, Saul tried to wipe out David. He tried to take him out. Goliath tried to take him out. So many others tried to take David out, but they couldn't do it because the promise stood firm. All the way to Bethlehem. When Jesus was born, the enemy even tried to put him in the worst kind of conditions, hopefully that hoping that he could destroy the baby, make it cold enough, make him uncomfortable enough that the only place that he could be born was where? In a manger stall. Think about it. Anybody ever been, how many farmers we got here? You know what a manger stall is like, don't you? Not the most pleasant place. You wouldn't put your baby in a manger. I mean, you'd be locked up for doing that kind of stuff today. Social services would have showed up if they'd been around then and locked Joseph and Mary up for putting that baby in a manger, but they had no choice. We see what Satan tries to do. He tries to destroy the promise of God. And God has made promises to you that the enemy will do his best to try to destroy. But if God has made you a promise, one thing that I know about him, that his promises are sure. And that the promises of God are always yes and amen. And it was proven through Jesus. The devil tried to take him out by putting him on a cross, putting him in a grave. He bruised the heel of Jesus. But guess what? The promise of God stood firm because Satan has has had his old head crushed. Jesus dealt him the death nail at the cross. It wasn't by accident that it happened that way. It was the promise of the Father. It was exactly the way he said it would be. Thank God his promises are sure. His promises to you, to your family. I want to give you a verse of scripture found in Romans Chapter 10, verse 13, that says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and thy house. A lot of you are believing for your sons and your daughters. I want to assure you that the promises of God are sure. But you have to have a part in it. You have to stand in faith and believe God. You can't give up. Trust God. Continue to stand. We don't know when God's going to do it or how he's going to do it. We just know he will. He loves you. He loves your children. If you'll just stand firm in the promises that he has about your, 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 your home and your health and whatever it is, hold on to the promises of God. Understanding that promises in him are always yes and amen. Thank God for Jesus. 
I'm thankful for his body that was broken for us. I'm thankful for his healing power. I'm thankful that God does it in miraculous ways. I'm thankful God does it in so many ways, but however way that it happens, it's still a miracle of God. So thank God for his promises of healing. Thank God for his salvation. Thank God I don't have to worry about my past. My past can't overtake me unless I go backward into my past. But as long as I'm following after him and I'm pressing onward toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, as long as I'm one step ahead, as long as I'm following after him, as long as I'm willing to lay aside those hindrances and those weights which so easily can beset us and I look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, I'm always going to come out ahead. Amen. Amen. Father, again, we thank you for another year that you've given us. We thank you, Father, for the promise of a son that you have sent. Thank you, Father, that you sent your son. You called him Jesus. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow. And because he lives, all of our fear is gone. And Lord, because we know he holds the future. It makes life worth the living. We thank you, Father, for the promises of your word. And so, Lord, today we choose to commune with you. And Lord, we thank you. We, we realize what the body was broken for. We realize the stripes that Jesus bore. It was for us. It was for our healing mentally, emotionally, physically, every part of our being. And so, Lord, we're thankful for it. We thank you for the bread, Jesus, the bread of life, that we break today and we commune together in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's break it. Let's partake together. And Lord, again, we want to thank you for the blood, the blood that was shed. We thank you, Lord, that there's a crimson cord that ran all the way through the annals of history in the Old Testament, all the way from Adam to Rahab and from Rahab to all the way to Mount Moriah, all the way from Mount Moriah to Calvary. Lord, we thank you that the blood of Jesus, the all-sufficient blood of Jesus that wipes away, washes away all of our sins is sufficient. And we thank you for the covenant that you have established through the blood of Jesus Christ, your son, that gives us greater promises, Father. And so, Lord, we partake together of this cup and we remember all that you've done for us through Jesus. Let's drink together. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the blood. Thank you for your body. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet and give homage to the King this morning. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. The Lamb has overcome. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah.
We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. The Lamb is overcome. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. The been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.